Philippians 4, 10 through 16. I will rejoice in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Thank you, Peyton. Morning, church. I get the honor of uh, teaching you about God's Word. It's a terrifying honor, but it is an honor none the least. <laughs> so um, what a humbling experience to be, to be led by these teens. It is an awesome experience. Amen. All right, so as Peyton read, we're going to spend some time in Philippians, but I want to give you guys a background of why Paul was writing to these Philippians. So, if you will, go back to Acts 16. I'm going to follow along on your digital device or paper Bible if you're old school like me. Okay, so so Philippi was located in what is now northeast Greece. Um, it, is now, it was Macedonia at that time, but it's now Greece. So this was a great city, as you can see, for as a great location for trade from the east to the west, connecting the two. It was a great port city, and there was a lot of trade going on. It was a Roman colony at the time, and so the citizens thought themselves as such. So they, they spoke Latin instead of Greek, mostly. And they did everything that Romans would do. It was also a wealthy town because they had nearby gold and silver mines, and, but more on that later. Um, so, Acts 16. So Paul first visits Philippi with Silas, Timothy, and most likely Luke around 49 to 52 A.D., after he receives a vision from a man asking for help in Macedonia. So let's go to God's Word in Acts 16, uh, starting in verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So if you get a vision from God saying you better go preach somewhere, I, I would listen. If I don't know about anybody here, but of course Paul does. So they, they go on the way to Macedonia. They stop off at a couple places. But then when they get to Philippi, they go to the, the city and they go to a place of prayer, which is uh, down by the river. So they're going down the river and there's a, a women around. So, they, so Paul begins preaching to these women. And one of the women's hearts was opened by Paul's message. Just like um, we got done um, learning about the Pentecost in the teen house here uh, last quarter, so just like the minds of the apostles were opened after the Holy Spirit came down, this lady's heart was opened just like, just like that. Um, her name was Lydia, and uh, her heart was opened by the gospel message. So she invited the men back to her house, and all the members of her house were baptized. That's awesome, right? Amen? Uh, so how awesome of a joyous day that would have been. Now, I tell you this particular part because this was the first time that the gospel had been preached on the continent of Europe. And also, this lady's was the first time that the baptized, sorry, it was the first time that believers had been baptized also on the continent of Europe. So there's a couple firsts here. And it says, Acts 16, 13 through 15. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatria, who was a worshiper of God. So, 
they, they invite her back. They, she invites all the men back to her house, and they all are baptized. So that's one reputation that Paul has. So at, they stay for a few days after that, um, Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke, and they're all walking down to the place of prayer again. And then they, they get stopped again here in verse 16. It says, Once we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money by, the, by her owners for the fortune telling. These men, are ser- uh, these men are servants of the Most High God, she kept shouting, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that, that their hope of making money was gone, they had Paul and Silas arrested. So, so Paul is, is arrested for rebuking a demon. And he gets beaten and thrown in jail for it. Now, while he was in prison, a massive earthquake hit. And the town, a massive earthquake hit the town and shook the foundation of the prison. And the prison doors flew open. So, they were singing hymns and God. They were singing hymns to God when an earthquake hit. As you can see on the slide here, they were singing. And this allowed Paul to share the good news and the gospel with the jailer who was, who was um, protecting them at the time. And um, this caused the jailer, the earthquake caused the jailer to wake up. He was sleeping at the time. I, I, I don't know why he was sleeping, but um, it, it caused him to wake up from his sleep and from living in darkness, as we'll soon find out. Um, he wanted to take his own life because at that time, if a jailer escaped, if a, jail, if a, person, a prisoner escaped, the jailer would be responsible for that person's life. So he wanted to end that shame and torment. He didn't want to be going in front of anybody. So he wanted to take his own life. And Paul says, don't harm yourself. We are all here. So the jailer stops in his tracks. And then he goes in trembling in front of Paul and Silas. He's he's asking, he wants to know how to be saved. So Paul tells them, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And then the jailer took them from the jail, went to the jailer's house, and washed their wounds. And he was baptized along with all of his household. So, Paul baptizes all these people. And then in verse 34 here in Acts, I love it, is the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. Now, I know there's a lot of people in here that are Christians, and everybody knows that feeling, correct? So after all of this, Paul and Silas receive a message saying they are to be released. And uh, Paul will not stand for it. He pulls out the Roman citizen card, if you will. He's like, hey, I'm a Roman citizen. You can't do this because I was beaten and thrown in jail without a trial. And that was one of the rules of the Roman uh, area at the time. So he, he demands that he gets escorted out of the city. So they do that, and they don't want to, and of course the Philippians don't want to uh, betray another Roman citizen. So they listen to him, and they escort Paul and Silas out of, out of, out of the city. But first, he goes back to Lydia's house, lady who dealt in purple cloth. And he says, the Bible says that they, they stopped to encourage them. Now, I'm sure you guys will find out later on that they stopped to encourage them. And there was a church that was planted there that, during that time. Okay. So you're like, okay, Jeff, what's, what's the history lesson? So I just want to give you guys a background on what kind of reputation Paul has in this town of Philippi. So he goes, spreads the good news and the gospel at this town, baptizes lots of people. So everybody has to know. He's beaten, thrown in jail without a trial. So lots of people know who he is. Okay, now, let's go fast forward 
eight to ten years, and back to Paul's letter of the Philippians. So let's flip back to Philippians 4. I'll be there in just one second. So he is like, Paul is likely imprisoned in Rome at the time of his letter. When he's writing them for a few reasons, but mostly to thank them for the gifts that he's been receiving from them. Now I said that uh, Philippi was a wealthy town, had gold and silver mines, so they had a, a lot of money to give for Paul to spread the good news. So he's writing to tell them that he is, thank you for the gifts, and what an awesome thank you letter. If any of you get a chance to read the whole book of Philippians, it is an awesome letter. The whole overall theme of it is joy and thanksgiving. It's one of my favorite books. Um, he also uses the opportunity to report on his circumstances, you know, like being in jail and being beaten up for Jesus and everything. He wants to tell everybody that because he wants them to stand firm in the face of persecution, like we all should. And, of course, to rejoice in the situation no matter what you find yourself in. All right, let's go to God's Word. Four, Philippians 4, 10 through 13. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned. But you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Wow. Let's, let's read that last verse. Let's read 13 together, everybody. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Amen? Now, of course, Paul's talking about Jesus Christ, he can, who we all go through to get everything that we have, to get strength. So Paul's in prison, being beaten up, and he is still content. Why? In verse 12, he tells us that he has found the secret to being content. Now, I looked up on Google. Google defines content as being pleased and satisfied or not needing more. And it sounds like Paul gets it right here to me. Um, and we find in verse 15, Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. So this church gave and, re and received just like the best church that they could be. So this, this church is very near and dear to Paul. Um, he's saying, thank you for all the gifts, but, you know, I, I really don't need them. I'm, I'm content. I've had lots of things, and I was satisfied. I am in jail, and I am just as satisfied. Paul has learned this through his experience with spreading the gospel on how to be content no matter what circumstance is thrown at him. Sometimes we think that contentment is something that we learn when we have nothing. But Paul is saying here that we should be content if we have plenty or if we have nothing. Contentment is found in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Christ is so good. Paul is saying he can endure all the persecution that he went through, and you can too. If you have Christ with you, but we have to trust God that, going, that he is going to do great things in our life. Maybe not today, but if he doesn't do it today, we have to enjoy that day to the fullest extent, knowing that he will uh, give us what he wants, when he wants. We just have to remember that he will. We have to trust him. You can't fully enjoy your life unless you trust God. This journey or trek shouldn't be about you. It should be about Jesus and, and the Father. Now, I don't know what the devil can throw at us if we say every morning, God, maybe I don't have everything I need today, but I do have Jesus. I've got hope and faith, and God will do great things for me when it is my time, and I know it's going to be spectacular. When you have that relationship with the risen Christ, how can you not conquer anything? Amen? 
And that's what Paul is saying here in Philippians. He's saying, I have an awesome relationship with the resurrected Jesus Christ, and I can do anything through him. He will be with you through any discontent that you may go through. Addiction, anger, uh, you know, being, being uh, in the poverty like Tony was talking about earlier. He will be there with you. And when you meet people that are truly content, they can tell you that they're going through a rough time. And they look at you and say, man, you know what? It's okay. I'm, I'm, I got Jesus and he's going to do great things. And you just kind of sit back and smile like, oh, man. They get it. They get it. Um, I wanted to read you guys an illustration from a book. Um, it's called Perfect Picture of Peace. There once was a king who offered a prize to the artist who would paint the best picture of peace. Many artists tried. The king looked at all the pictures, but there were only two he really liked, and he had to choose between them. One picture was of a calm lake. The lake was a perfect mirror for peaceful towering mountains all around it. Overhead was a blue sky with fluffy white clouds. All who saw this picture thought it was perfect. Thought it was a picture, perfect picture of peace. The other pictures had mountains too, but these were rugged and bare. Above was an angry sky from which rain fell and in which lightning played. Down the side of the mountain tumbled a foaming waterfall. This did not look peaceful at all. But when the king looked closely at the waterfall, he saw behind it a tiny bush growing in the crack of the rock. In the bush, a mother bird had built her nest. There, in the midst of the rush of angry water, sat the mother bird on her nest in perfect peace. Which picture do you think won the prize? The king chose the second picture. You know why? Because, explained the king, peace does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise, trouble, or hard work. Peace means to be in the midst of all those things and still be calm in your heart. That is the real meaning of peace. That's from the book, Stories of the Heart. Um, whenever you guys find contentment, and I hope that you will, I've got a short video to show you of, of just two guys that have found contentment in Christ. Watch that now. kids with special needs and I have a cabinet of about 20 students uh, with all these volunteers and this one specific camper Casey who has severe autism was one of the coolest kids in the world he was just loving life he was like had this big smile on his face all the time and he would like hide and kind of peek up at you and he just he exuberated joy all the time he was so joyful but we were doing this one activity where we were all fishing so we're down by the lake and I got all my campers spread out along the uh, river shore, and Casey's there, and I'm looking at everybody else, and all the other campers, they're throwing them out there, they're catching all these fish, but Casey had caught nothing. It was kind of weird that he like, didn't catch anything, but everyone else was catching all these fish. So I went over to Casey, and he has severe autism, so he can't communicate with me, and he's getting really frustrated, and so he starts getting like all worked up, and I was like, God, please let Casey catch a fish. And as soon as I had finished my prayer, Casey caught a fish on the line, and he just lit up again with that big Casey smile. He was so, he was right back to being happy. And I just took that little, that little story as a, an example of how God hears what we ask for in prayer and how he knows what we need in life, and he is able to provide it. Jesus says in Scripture, what kind of father, when his son ask for a fish will give him a snake instead and I just I immediately thought of that verse and I thought that is so true of our God of our father who when we ask for something he knows what we need and he's able to give it to us 
And so my challenge to you is to live a life of contentment and knowing that your Father in Heaven is able to provide what you need. And He knows and He is listening to what you ask for. Have you found a secret to being content? Have you been able to say, I don't need this or want this to be happy? If you don't know Jesus and would like to know more about Him, about finding the secret to contentment, there will be an elder up here in the front, and there will be one in the back. We'd love for you to come forward and respond as uh, we stand and sing. And uh, if you want to give your life to Christ today, we also ask that you respond. So please come as we stand and sing.